You need to acknowledge that technology is changing and your business is going to change. So the ability to pivot when needed and change from your plan also needs to be part of the program. Welcome to Smart Energy Voices, an SED podcast featuring conversations with leaders of the energy transition, hosted by Smart Energy Decisions founder, John Fiella. In each episode of Smart Energy Voices, John digs deep with industry movers and shakers to reveal insights you can learn from in their stories, personalities, and visions for the future. All right, let's dive in. Hi, everyone. I'm John Fiella, and welcome to Smart Energy Voices. Today, we have a special episode produced in partnership with Constellation on the state of retail energy partnerships. With retail energy customers experiencing increased pressure to meet aggressive sustainability goals, the complexities they are dealing with demand new solutions and approaches from traditional retail energy providers. Today, I'm joined by Raj Bazaj, Executive Director, Solution Sales at Constellation. And we'll dive deep into the dynamics of that changing landscape. Raj, thanks so much for joining me today. And why don't we start by having you tell us a little about yourself and give us an overview of your current role at Constellation. First of all, very excited to be on this podcast with you and then really looking forward to the conversation. As for what I do at Constellation, I lead the customer solutions team, which is a fairly new team. It was created about a year ago. Our team is responsible for working with our customers to help develop solutions with respect to many of the latest trends that are taking place in our industry. Areas like sustainability are no longer just trendy, they're becoming mainstream. And so we work to provide customized solutions based on the specific needs that our customers have so that it's seamless and very easy for them to implement. So in some areas that we focus on are our renewables, financing for energy efficiency products, analytics that can track their carbon and compare facilities that they have with one another, behind the meter projects, and, and most recently areas like fleet electrification. Interesting. There are a couple of things you just described in your duties that I think as recently as two or three years ago, you would not have expected to hear from an executive from a traditional retail energy provider. So I can't wait to get into this in a little more detail. You said the word customer five or six times in describing kind of who you are and what you do. So let, let's maybe start by talking about how customer requirements are evolving. What's your take, Raj, on, on how retail power customer requirements have evolved in recent history? Life used to be very easy. You know, a few years ago, even two, three years ago, there, there was a commodity buyer, a single point of contact. And if I was a sales rep, I would talk with that particular buyer about different products, pricing options, understand their risk, offer them a product at a price, and hopefully we would reach an agreement and get a deal done. Well, I think those days are, are probably unfortunately gone forever. Customers are just not looking for a commodity anymore. They're looking for a lot more than that. They want to cut down their spend. That's obviously always important and continues to be important. But they also want to understand their bills. And, and more importantly, they want to talk about an integrated energy strategy. Top of the mind issue for them these days seems to be sustainability. 
and how they can put together not just a very short-term strategy, but a strategy that could involve multiple years to, to really align with their GHG goals or any other objectives that have been laid out for them. What do you think have been the biggest drivers, Raj, of this evolution? Well, there are definitely companies that are very environmentally conscious. ESG is extremely important for them. And they are the, the, the leaders, right? They're the ones that you hear about all the time that have taken upon themselves to, to drive change in, in, in our industry. Adding to that is uh, many companies are facing um, a lot of pressure from shareholders, customers, and competitors, forcing them to change. I'll use a couple of examples here. BlackRock, the, the largest asset manager in the world, Larry Fink has come up with come out with uh, letters over the last couple of years where he's talked about the impact of climate change and and how as a company they need to change their philosophy and really start to focus on how and who they invest in. The thought is that if a company is not doing enough from their standpoint when it comes to sustainability, they may not invest in them anymore. So if you're a public company and, and an asset manager like BlackRock is making those statements, you need to pay attention. Another example is, is Walmart, right? So if you are a supplier to Walmart and you are not in line with what they're expecting in terms of sustainability improvements that they've laid out, then there's a risk that they may drop you as a supplier. So for even a mid, you know, some small and mid-sized companies where sustainability may not have been a priority at all, now, all of a sudden, they, they need to do something or they lose, in some cases, their largest customer. So all of these types of shifts are really accelerating change the way we're seeing it. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. I, I think you nailed the top two drivers head on, and that's investor pressure and customer pressure. The BlackRock example that you mentioned uh, is really fascinating to have watched because it seems over the last three years, that annual letter he does to CEOs has evolved to where they were first getting climate change on everyone's radar. Then they were talking about how important it is. And then to this year, it's exactly as you said, if you don't have a solid ESG program in place, they may not, they may not invest in you. So that's motivation. <laughs> So you've got this dynamic market with investors placing more pressure, customers placing more pressure. What do you see as, as the biggest challenges that customers dealing with today as, as they plan retail energy procurement in light of these pressures and drivers? Yeah, there are a lot of challenges that our, our customers are facing. And, you know, at a foundational level, it really starts with the fact that at a company level, there are generally many different stakeholders now that are involved in the decision-making process. So instead of just having a single buyer that I was talking about earlier, now you need multiple stakeholders that need to be aligned on what is the objective, what is going to be the implementation plan, and we need to make sure, they need to make sure that there's consensus. And then right behind that, equally important is the fact that Senior leadership buys onto that vision and plan and, and implementation strategy. Because what we've seen is a lot of times, if things are not, you know, there isn't consensus and, and things are disjointed, then you take one step forward and two steps back, and it just re results in a lot of frustration and angst amongst the whole organization. So putting all of those pieces 
upfront takes time, but it's extremely important to make sure that things get off in the right way and, and progress is made. What we're also finding is that customers are, are looking for a, a holistic solution. You know, as an example, if they have a strategy to be at zero carbon by 2030, they're not looking to say, hey, we want to do one project this year and we're going to think about what we do next in, in 2022. They want something that is very well laid out in terms of a strategy so they can understand if we are at 100 units of carbon today, where are we going to be in 2022, 23, all the way up to 2030? So there's a, there's a vision and, and a whole process of getting from where they are to where they want to be. And that kind of leads me into talking a little bit about analytics, because you can do all of this in, on spreadsheets and companies still are doing it. But the math is getting very, very difficult and challenging, because if you have 10 facilities in eight different states and you're trying to implement a strategy like I'm talking about, you realistically cannot do that very well, especially if you know that changes are going to be happening and you need to make adjustments. So how do you use all of the latest in analytics to track these changes? Know at any given time where your carbon is and can project where it's going to be moving forward. And then you put on top of that artificial intelligence and machine learning that can help you in, in maybe even accelerating the change or do it, doing it more effectively and efficiently. That's what brings value and the customers are, are looking to implement. Boy, you articulated that very nicely. And, and it gets back to your answer of the first question. When life was simple, when there was a commodity buyer who was simply buying electricity, I think that the whole focus on carbon emission reduction is what's really now created the need for this holistic approach because it's very difficult to look at all of these elements in silos. You've now got to look at procurement, demand management, supply in this broader context of being aligned for carbon emission reductions. And that's really driving the need for these analytics and data. So I think it's been a huge game changer to have companies now focus on emission reduction because that is just demanding alignment across the enterprise and it's requiring that they put data together for the, for the first time to really orchestrate all of those individual activities. So you've described, I think, really very, very well how kind of life's changed on the customer side. Let's now talk about retail energy suppliers and, and the changing role of retail energy suppliers. What challenges have all of these dynamics on the customer side created for retail energy providers like Constellation? It's, it's a good question, John. And what we're finding over the last couple of years is the speed of change in our industry is, is not leveling out, it's actually accelerating. So as an organization, we just can't think about this as a one-time event that, okay, hey, you know, there are three, four, five changes happening, let's adjust to it. And then we can be at steady state for the next five years. It's a continuous process. What that really means is that there's a continuous requirement for us internally to keep on learning, right? The knowledge base needs to be very active and dynamic, and, and we need to know what's going on in the industry. What are the new technologies that are developing? What are the analytical tools that are out there that can help and be better matched to what I was talking about earlier for what the customer is looking for? 
And then how do we effectively put this all together? One way I've been talking to our customers about this concept is before it was like when my kids were toddlers, you, you had a puzzle that, that had three pieces. All they had to do was take those three big pieces and put them together and, and they were happy. And, and as a parent, you were proud. Well, then as they grew older, you started to talk about 100-piece puzzles and 5,000-piece puzzles when they, maybe they were in high school and got really good at it. Well, now you have multiple puzzles that are thousands of pieces that you're trying to stack on top of each other. And that's the strategy that the customer is expecting. So it's a whole different world for us, and, and we need to adapt to it. There are new puzzle pieces that are, that are getting introduced on top of all of this. So the adaptability nimbleness is, is becoming another piece that is very important. And then the customer is also doing a lot of research on their own. They are coming to us and probing us to go and do deeper dives in, in areas that maybe we didn't pay a lot of attention to in the past. So that's also driving us to really educate ourselves and, and try to be leaders so that we can provide value and continue to do so for our customers. So we'll get into how Constellation's specifically responding in, in a little more detail later in the conversation to expand on the, on the challenges that you've identified how do you see traditional retail energy suppliers evolving in terms of how they go to market, their product offering, their strategies to serve the industry? How do you see these companies in your world evolving to respond to these changes? Suppliers are trying as hard as they can to keep up with all the change that, that is coming at us. What we're finding is that the shift to solutions for suppliers, including ourselves, means that customers also are looking for customized solutions. So we're having to come up with organizational changes that give us the ability to provide these customized solutions to many customers at the same time. That's a little bit different from pricing a product through your pricing team and, and looking at the term and going to the customer, which you could scale that up a lot easier. So there's a scale issue that I think we're all learning to work around. We're also dealing with situations where if I had a customer and, and they had facilities in Illinois and I supplied power to them, that was great. But now what we're learning is that that same customer probably has facilities in eight different regulated markets that were not even on our radar. So when we're talking sustainability, the customer doesn't just want an Illinois-specific sustainability solution. They, they want a solution across all their facilities. So the scope of what we're doing is, is a lot broader. And so what's going to happen here, the way I see it, is that every time there's a, a dynamic change like this in the industry, there are going to be some suppliers who are going to adapt. There are going to be others who are not, and they're probably not going to exist in the future. But then on the flip side, there's probably going to be new competitors that I don't even know about today that are going to emerge. When changes like this happen is when you see the biggest shift in terms of suppliers in an industry. And I think we're right in the middle of all of that happening. So the next five years, I think, are going to be very interesting from that standpoint. Yeah, well, that's great insight because I, I guess the shift from selling a, essentially a commodity product to selling solutions to needing them to be integrated, needing them to be national in scope. It's really forcing organizational changes and 
change is always difficult. And I, I, I think you're exactly right. Some will respond, evolve, change, survive, thrive. Some won't make it. Now, it seems like there's a heck of a lot going on at Constellation. Tell us about what the company's doing to not only survive, but thrive in this new environment and responding to this rapidly evolving set of customer requirements. Yeah, there are definitely a lot going on, John. And like I've been saying, changes are going to continue. So a few years ago at Constellation, we created essentially what you could think of as a venture capital fund within Constellation. We called it Constellation Technology Ventures. And the goal was to really start to understand what was going on in the industry, in the energy business, not only understand what was going on, but then take an investment position with these startups and a lot of times a board seat. The goal was to, we saw change, we knew it was coming. So why not really truly understand what that means and then at the time be able to take that to our customer? That was done a few years ago and today we're getting the benefit of that because many of those products, you know, ChargePoint, for example, uh, Proterra, which is an electric bus, those were investments of ours as part of the portfolio. And now those are the types of products that our customers are actually looking for. President Biden's plan from this week that he's rolling out talks about a charging network across the country and ChargePoint is the leader in those types of technologies. So it was that vision that the leadership had, which is playing out wonderfully for us. A couple of years ago, we created a brand new team that we called our partnership and development team. Just like the CTV group, the goal of this organization is to go and, and look for new technologies that are evolving and bring them on as partners so that, again, we have the capability to take these products and and offer them to our customers. With some of the more recent things that our customers are asking a lot about, like battery storage, fleet electrification, the partnership and development team has gone out and they've tried to figure out the best ways to bring them to the customer. And then exactly a year ago, John, is, is when my team, the solutions team, was created. And when, you know, talking and thinking about the CTV team and the partnership team and all the products that we've developed in-house over the years, like our core renewable products, our financing product through Efficiency Made Easy, our analytics through the Pair.ai acquisition we made last year, well, we don't want them to be discrete products, right, with walls between them. We want to be able to have this umbrella of the solutions team and have a platform of solutions that we can take to our customer. The solutions team is chartered to do that. So we look at the entire portfolio of all the different arrows now that we have in our quiver and provide a customized solution to the customer that I was talking about earlier. So that makes it more seamless. It makes it easy for us to kind of pivot, understand what a customer is looking for, and then craft a solution that fits them, you know, from a timeline standpoint, product standpoint, where their facilities are regulated versus not. How much gas do they use? Is electrification part of their strategy or not? All of those types of questions need to be answered up front so that you can come up with a robust plan. That's interesting. I didn't realize that the venture group had stakes in both ChargePoint and Proterra. Whoever was responsible for that, they made at least two good calls because those were excellent bets to place on the table. So it seems like over the past two, three, maybe as far back as four years, there are things going on behind the scenes that have now created this opportunity for, 
And let me make sure I get this right. So if I'm a customer, my traditional Constellation representative now has access to all of these other resources within the company to help me solve the problems that I'm trying to solve for. Is that the way it works? How do I get access to all of these other resources that you have? That's exactly the case. If, if I was your sales rep, you know, your Constellation sales rep, I would still be the one that you're interacting with. But behind me now, we have a solutions team and other resources that are available. So based on conversations with you, we will pull the right people to create a team that can come up with that solution that meets your needs. Well, that certainly goes well beyond a commodity sale. So congratulations for for having put that together. Is there anything you'd like to go into a little more detail on Raj related to how the structure of the company and the product portfolio of the company has changed recently? Ken, I'll mention two other things. One is in the past, if you look at Constellation, we had a wholesale group and a retail group. And they were functionally separated in a lot of ways with each task to do different things. But what we're seeing now in this new world is that there's a lot of convergence that's going on internally. When we talk about our core products, for example, the wholesale team and the retail team, the lines are very blurred. Then you put on top of that legal and regulatory, and you have these these groups that are being created that are just working together much more closely, which is a change for us. And I think that's happening across our organization, that the lines are blurring, the walls are dissolving, and the organization is adapting because when you're doing this, you're also becoming more nimble because now you can move things through your organization faster based on what the customer is looking for. That's kind of happening on its own. We're not forcing it to happen, but the customer is driving us to go in that direction. And the other thing I wanted to point out is, you know, a lot of times the customer is also challenging us to look at technology that we know is not available today. I'll use hydrogen as an example. That's a buzzword. You hear about that, read about that all the time, right, in this business. And it does have tremendous advantages when it comes to sustainability, but today it's just not economically feasible. But our customers keep on asking about it. So we need to make sure that we're staying on top of it. And again, when the time is right, we are able to bring that technology to the customer and and help them take advantage of, of it. So it's a give and take. I don't want it to sound like, you know, we're just providing all this great insight and value to the customer. The customer is doing the same to us. And it's a very symbiotic relationship here when it comes to how we're both evolving and growing with the industry. You've clearly had a handle, the company has clearly had a handle on where things were headed and you're structured today to meet their requirements that customers are now expressing You alluded to hydrogen, and that's certainly something that's not ready for prime time now, but I think people are betting on it or hoping for it in a big way in the future. What's your sense for kind of where things are headed and what further evolution is going to be needed in the future, Raj? So I'm, I'm, I'm asking you to get your crystal ball out at this moment and take a look into where things are headed. I personally think that things are going to continue to accelerate. Just reading 
about what's happening with analytics, for example, and artificial intelligence and machine learning. I mean, we're not the only ones, our industry, where we're, we're getting the benefit of analytics. I mean, this is across the board. You look at what's happening in medicine and other areas. So as data gets better, the ability to extrapolate from that data and understand what, what can be done to, to gain efficiencies, to get a competitive advantage, to create new business opportunities, all of that is going to become, from my standpoint, is going to grow even faster. Hydrogen, I use that as an example already, but there's so many other R&D efforts that are going on. We work with some universities that are, are looking at some incredible new technologies that are probably going to come into play. So the crystal ball would basically be telling me that this is something that is going to continue. And, you know, as Constellation, we need to keep our foot on the pedal, keep on doing everything we're doing, because we are going to have to provide even more novel solutions to our customers three, five years out than what we're doing today. Okay. So you're not satisfied with where you are today and I can't wait to hear about some of these additional technologies you're investing in because you seem to have placed some some good bets in the in the past. So we talked about the drivers for changing customer requirements. We talked about how retail energy providers are evolving. We've talked specifically about what Constellation's doing. In, in the interest of tying all this together, Raj, what thoughts do you have on what customers should be thinking about to succeed given the incredible growing complexities of buying retail energy? Your The visual you presented of the three-piece puzzle to a three-dimensional grid with several puzzles that have thousands of pieces <laughs> was actually very good. So, in light of what's happening, what should customers be thinking about? One of the first things I tell our customers is that there really isn't any reason to panic. Customers these days, I've had three or four customers in the last couple of months have their plans changed where initially they thought 2030 was their timeline for reaching zero carbon. They're moving forward to 2025. So what do I do? I mean, you know, the whole world has changed overnight for them. But I think it's almost like planning for, you know, a basketball game where there's a certain level of discipline that you need to have about a sustainability initiative. And I mentioned some other things earlier, right? Making sure all the stakeholders are on board, senior leadership has agreed to the plan. If you've gone from 2030 to 2025 as your timeline, you just need to change that plan and, and go through that same level of discipline again to make sure that everything is on track and there are no delays. Continue to utilize analytics. I think analytics, I call that the backbone to any company moving forward. So how can you mine the data, which is yours, right, to learn more about how you can implement change quickly and most effectively? One thing that it, I didn't mention earlier is how can you... Think about the sequence within which you implement your solutions, right? I mean, if you know that, okay, I have five facilities and these are the six different solutions, how do I know which ones to implement first versus second, third, fourth, fifth, and sixth? That becomes important and you need to kind of think about that and know what the implications are when it comes to your carbon footprint. I think doing some kind of scenario analysis would make, make a lot of sense. 
The third point would be you need to acknowledge that technology is changing and your business is going to change. So the ability to pivot when needed and change from your plan also needs to be part of the program. I mean, let's say hydrogen happens and it becomes economic in 2025, then you probably want to take advantage of it. And you should not just have a program set in stone where your competitor implements hydrogen and you don't, and you're at a competitive disadvantage because of that. And then the last thing I want to mention here is there needs to be a cadence in terms of communication, right? Because you have analytics as your driver, it's very easy to create reports and use the analytics to communicate with your customers, your shareholders, and all your other stakeholders. You know, it it can be done very easily. That makes sure everyone is in the loop and, you know, everyone feels good about what you're trying to do. And it's great for marketing and branding as well for an organization. That's great, Raj. I think that uh, the whole notion of analytics as a driver and as the backbone, that's really key. I mean, it wasn't that long ago where majority of energy managers were really depending on Excel spreadsheets for things. And the degree to which tools to manage data are becoming available is intense. And then you've got this increased need to manage both sustainability data and energy data and having a good solid analytics platform that will enable you to mine the data as you suggest is really key. So that's a a great thought for customers to really be focusing on. So thank you for that. So let's talk a little bit about you. We've talked a lot about the business. Tell us why you you personally are, are so passionate about this space. It's been an evolution, John, for me over the last few years. And I'll compliment my kids for this. They, they have uh, truly educated me. Uh, my daughter especially is very passionate about the environment. The fact that I'm in the energy business caused some very interesting conversations where I have learned a great deal about sustainability and how important it is to Mother Earth. Getting into this role has really given me the opportunity now to take what I believe is the right thing to do and, and actually help our customers in, in, in understanding how they can do something about it. That's just very exciting to me. Yeah, it's really fascinating, Raj, to see how many of my guests on Smart Energy Voices are driven and motivated by the benefits that they see from their work on their family and future generations. I mean, at the end of the day, making sure your family is well taken care of is what's at the heart of what drives a lot of us. So it's nice to hear you say that. What's been the biggest challenge of your career, Raj? One definitely sticks out is the financial crisis. That was tough. And I think it was tough for pretty much anyone in in this business. And for me personally, uh, I was leading a sales organization that was having the best year ever. And all of a sudden, you know, you wake up one morning and, and your whole world is turned upside down. And it's, it's upside down from the standpoint of your organization and all of the people within your organization, you know, along with that, your customers. I mean, I saw good customers who, who ran into trouble overnight, some companies that did not survive because of the financial crisis. And there were a lot of changes that happened within our company as well. So in general, it was just a very difficult period. And a lot of people that I know were deeply impacted because of it. What are you most proud of? 
That's an easy one for me. I've had a mentor over the years in the energy business that, that gave me some very good advice many years ago. I mean, he said that work-life balance is, is really the most important goal that you should have in your life. It was interesting because he would say all of this. And a lot of times you kind of listen to people and you're like, yeah, yeah, that's great. You know, it's, it's all theoretical. It never works out that way. But then I was fortunate enough to interact with this person's kids who were grown up and actually working. And they talked about their father and the work-life balance that he had achieved and how impactful it was on their lives. So I have kind of taken that as a goal for myself and worked very hard to achieve what he did. And it's worked out very well. It's something that I talk about with my organization all the time and customers and anyone else that I'm close to. If that balance is disrupted or not stable, you're not good at your job and you're not good on the personal side with your family. It's something that I truly believe in and it's work in progress. I think I, I've done well, but I want to do even better. And, and I try to make sure that I educate everyone on that as much as I can. Well, that's good for you. And you're very lucky to have a mentor that instilled that in you early on. Lots of people that I talk to that, you know, that's one of their biggest struggles. I certainly have had substantial periods of time in my life where I was out of balance, way too heavily skewed to work. And there are days I still feel that way. It's hard work. So congratulations on uh, making that a priority early on having the success you've had with it and not being satisfied with where you are and working even harder on it. So those are, those are some very inspiring words, Raj, for us to wrap up our conversation on today. So thank you very much for joining me on Smart Energy Voices. Well, it's my pleasure. Great conversation, John. Thank you. To our listeners, thanks for engaging with our content and being a part of the Smart Energy Decisions community. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and tell your colleagues and peers about it. To learn more about how you can become a part of our next event, visit our website, smartenergydecisions.com. We're excited about sharing conversations with leaders of the energy transition like Raj in this podcast and at our events, all in the interest of helping you make smart energy decisions. Thanks and have a great day. Thanks for listening to Smart Energy Voices, an SED podcast. Digest the insights from today's episode and take action on the ideas that have inspired you. Join us every Friday for conversations with smart energy leaders. We also invite you to check out another SED podcast, Beyond the Meter. Each episode of Beyond the Meter features innovative energy projects and initiatives by large electric power users. To keep up to date with trends and happenings in the energy transition, visit smartenergydecisions.com to register for our daily newsletter and become part of the Smart Energy Decisions community.